You're listening to sermons from Church on Bayshore in Niceville, Florida. Our mission is to do whatever it takes to see people believe in Jesus, belong to God's family, and become who God created them to be, impacting the world for Christ. To learn more about our church and to find additional resources, including ways to connect, serve, and give, visit churchonbayshore.org. Thankful to get to be with you this morning. This is Church on Bayshore. Y'all are in a great spot. I don't know if you understand how you measure church health, but one of the things is evangelism. We just got to see a baptism. Y'all are clearly doing that. Another thing is discipleship, and you've got life groups going on. A lot of you are probably part of those, and discipleship happening there. And then you've got people wanting to invest in in family, and y'all did that this weekend with the whole hearted marriage weekend, and you've got generosity, and clearly you guys are a generous church. You steward the resources well, you've paid off the debt, and now you're being generous. A lot of great indicators for health, and I appreciate the introduction. The best introduction that I've ever got, James, was second grade. My son's second grade teacher, they brought me in. They were Every week, they'd bring somebody else in, you know, from a profession to talk, and she said, all right, well, Cade's mom is here, Dr. Stover, and uh, my son just yells out from the back, not, not the kind that does you any good. And the teacher was like, Cade, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, last week, Jimmy's dad was here, and he's a doctor, and he gives out medicine. My dad just talks to people. So, you know, that's, you, get, you get what you get when your kids are a part of the introduction. I'm thankful to be here. I'm going to put out a word. I want you to think about it for a moment and see what pops into your, what's the first thing that pops into your head, image or thought, uh, as I say this word. Ready? Family. All right, grasp that thought or whatever that image was that popped into your head when I said family. I don't know that there's many words in our language more emotionally charged than that word, family. Because for some of us, we came from a really great family, a mom and dad who loved each other and generations of people vibrant in their faith. And we got the security of knowing who we were from an early age and that we were loved and secure attachment that comes with that. And for some of us, we didn't have that. We didn't experience that. We came from a much different home where there wasn't a mom and dad present in the home or maybe spirituality and God and his word weren't the center or the focus of the home. And maybe depending on where you grew up, sometimes influences where you are now. Maybe you're in a home or an environment that your family's not all that you want it to be, or maybe it's great and it's thriving and you're excited about what's going on in your family. Whatever the case may be, I'm excited to get to talk to you this morning about what God says about family. Now, we're going to do a kind of an overview of what the Bible says in this, in this area, and it's a huge area. We could camp out and we could go deep in any of the topics that I'm going to discuss, but we're going to cover five points different aspects of family. I think you're going to find something that applies to you. My prayer, though, is that you would consider, as I'm talking, which of these areas, which of these five points, God, would you like me to take a deeper dive in this week? Where do I need to pray more, think more, invest more, be better at over the course of the next week of these areas that I'm going to present? So the title of the message is Sowing into Family. And just to be clear, it's S-O-W-I-N-G. I don't know much at all about knitting or taking a needle and sewing S-E-W. Plus, that's not a masculine topic to come bring as your guest speaker at a church. So it's S-O-W, sewing, which is I know a little more about. I live out in West Texas. We farm and ranch out on our property out there. So I know a little bit more about that, sowing, putting seeds out, investing and watching and hoping and praying that a crop comes from that. That's what I want to talk to you about. What would it look like to sow or invest in your family? 
And where does God want you to be sowing and investing in your family this week? A lot going on when you think about family. In Isaiah chapter 61, Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament, and he's talking about something that's going to happen 100 years into the future when he writes verse 3. And he describes there's some before that where he says, in this time, a hundred years from now, you know, God's people are going to be out of their land, their promised land. But I tell you what, God's going to show up. He's going to heal the brokenhearted. He's going to set the captives free. And he goes on to say, the people, once God does that for them, he says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I don't know if you like, I like trees, probably one of the weird things about me, but I like looking at trees. I love, out here, you have some amazing trees. These oak trees that are majestic and the Spanish oak hanging down, they get obviously a lot, of, a lot of water and a lot of the nutrients they need to grow and to develop. Trees are powerful. God is saying through Isaiah, in the darkest times in our history, you're still, families are gonna be oaks of righteousness that are gonna stand out in a dark culture and a dark time. And you can say, well, boy, that, how long ago was that? Well, that was six, 700 years before Christ, so you can do the math. That's almost 3,000 years ago. Does that apply to us today? I think it does. I think in a culture that is dark and a culture that's going wrong direction, we can be oaks of righteousness that, that reflect God's splendor if we do family well. I think he wants that. I think we have the ability to do that, but it takes work and it takes effort. You fast forward 100 years from when Isaiah wrote that to what was actually going on at the time they were in exile now, and Jeremiah is the prophet, and he's writing to the people that are in exile. They're out of the land that God had, had promised them. They're in this other land now. They're captive. The Babylonians have them, and they're living there. And there were false prophets at the time. There were people telling them, hey, you guys need to be really, stay away from this world. Don't plug in here. Avoid it at all costs. It's tempting. Stuff's going to come at you. Just try to isolate yourselves for as long as you're here, which could be up to 70 plus years. And Jeremiah writes, he says, no, no, they're telling you wrong. I don't know if you've ever lived in a place where you knew you were going to be temporarily and, and it was a short period of time and you had to make that choice, right? Now, a lot of you, I know we're in this area, military families or descendants of military families, that happens in the military, right? You get sent somewhere for a period of time. Maybe that's happened for work. And you have to decide, we're going to be here two or three years. Do I really want to make friends? Is it really worth it? Is it really worth that investment? Or do I just kind of stay friends with those people back there where we were? We're going to end up back there eventually anyway. And we'll just survive this period of time. Anybody ever been in that situation before? And you got to decide. And that's what God's people were going through. They were having to decide. And God said, I need you to get planted because I need you to show this culture that you're in something significant about me. So in Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 through 6, he says it this way. Jeremiah writing to the people that are in exile. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes. Plan to stay plant gardens and eat the food that they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses to, for them so that they may have, that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away. God's saying through Jeremiah to his people, y'all may not be in a culture or, or a world that you thought you would be in, but I need you to continue to thrive in that situation. Anybody ever feel like maybe we're in a place we weren't designed to be in? 
as great a country as this is, as amazing as the state of Florida is, as incredible as this area is, there's still a lot going on around us, right, in our culture. And we're like, were we made for this? Lord, is this what you had in mind? Is this what you intended? And we've got to decide, what do we want to look like in the face of being in a situation like that? Do we want to just hunker down and pretend like none of this, isolate ourselves from all of that and not come in contact with that outside world like those false prophets were telling God's people? Or do we want to do what Jeremiah said and do we want to thrive? Do we want to plant gardens and build homes and marry and help our children to marry so that we create generations that are oaks of righteousness that people can look to and say, wow, those people have it different. The folks at church on Bayshore are doing it different. Y'all are praying for other churches in your community, other ministries in your community. Y'all have decided not to hunker down. You've decided to be a light, to be an oak of splendor in this place. But to do that, we got to have something that's appealing for people to look at from the outside. We can't be failing and miserable and, and not reflecting God. We've got to do that first so that we have something that they want to see. What would that look like in your family? To be that as a family, a lighthouse that people would look to and say, what are they doing different? We could say it's God. Well, five points is what I want to cover in the time that I have with you. The first one is that you reach a fork in the road and you've got to decide what do you want to build the foundation of your family on? The culture will tell you to build the foundation of your family on whatever the influencers say in, whatever is popular, whatever makes you the best friend of your kids. Marry if you want. You don't have to marry. Live together. It's all the same. Test out marriage before you do it. All of those things are what culture says. The Bible says something very different. You have to choose which fork in the road you take. Am I going to build our family on the foundation of the Lord? If you choose that, I think Psalm 127 will apply in your life. At the very beginning, it's a short little chapter, Psalm 127, but it starts and it says this. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, unless you take his foundation, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain, you rise early, you stay up late toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. There are a lot of people running around crazy, they're not getting the rest because they're not on the foundation of the Lord. Instead, they're chasing the world's way of doing family. How do you want to do your life? How do you want to live your life? What decisions do you want to make? Barna did a study in 2018, and they were trying to figure out what makes spiritually vibrant homes. How many of you would like to have a spiritually vibrant home? Anybody like that? So they did the research, and they said, here's what creates a spiritually vibrant home. Three things. Number one, messy prayers. They said Messy prayers. What does that mean? That means that you don't have to have, a, have one person in your home that prays in the King James. Thou art the greatest family. You, know, you don't have to have that. You just need people that show up. When things are going crazy, like, hey, let's pray about that. Well, how do we pray? I don't know. Let's just ask the Lord. Help us through it. Part of messy prayers was having, uh, man, worship going, worship music going. If you got Siri or whatever your thing is in your house, like have worship, worship music going while you're cooking dinner and while things are going on. This idea that just we, the house has Jesus going on inside it, messy prayers. The second is loud tables, what Barna study found. You need to have loud tables. You need to eat together. And at that table, you need to have conversation. He doesn't ever have to agree every time, but instead of being quiet or silent or not talking about significant things, at the table, you're talking about significant things. What's God up to in your life? You know, somebody gets off track and they start gossiping and saying, hey, like, instead of that, let's just pray for that person and what's going on in their life. 
And then the third thing that Barna's study said is you need to have open doors. If you want a spiritually vibrant home, you need to have open doors, meaning you practice hospitality. You got to let people into your home. You got to share meals with them. You've got to give them safe spaces to come and share what's going on in their lives. You need to be hospitable. So if you want a spiritually vibrant home, allow messy prayers, loud tables, and open doors. Build your family on the foundation of God and his word, and it will make all the difference. You get to choose though. Which way do we want to go as a family? Think about it for a moment. The family that I grew up in, did we build it on the foundation of the Lord or did we build it on what the world wanted? Or you know what a lot of people are doing today is a little bit of a hybrid. Like, well, I know what God's word says, but I also know what everybody else in the world's doing. And you know what? That hybrid doesn't work. You got to get fully on board if you want to really invest and sow into your family in a healthy way. So how do you do that? How do you sow into your family by investing? You know, well, there are lots of things you do. Come to church, do this, make this a part of your life, not something you do when it's convenient to your schedule. Pray together. We just said that messy prayers in your home. Use your gifts and talents and let your kids see you using your gifts and talents to make a difference. All the spiritual disciplines, all those are all ways to sow into your family by building on the foundation of God and his word. Second area is that you need to think about your individual health and well-being. See, it turns out that one of the strongest things that a family can do, the walls that, that, that are built on that foundation is your individual health. Your family can only be as healthy as its unhealthiest member at any given time. That principle makes sense? Your family health is determined by the unhealthiest member at any given time. I love, man, watching you be baptized up there. That was so amazing, especially hearing that you're getting married in a couple of months because you just gave your future spouse the greatest gift you could have given because you decided to build your life on the foundation of the Lord and your individual health and well-being on being connected to him. Man, your marriage is set up in a much different place because of those decisions. That's what it looks like. What do we do? You guys, I mean, I can look at Christina all day long and try to get her to change, but that's a difficult thing. I told the folks this weekend, I have a PhD in people manipulation, and I struggle to get her to act differently so that I can be okay. That's not where health comes from. It comes from a relationship with the Lord, and I, the greatest thing I can do for her in our marriage is connect with him and be the healthiest version of myself. So individual health matters. Uh, in Genesis 2.24, it says, we're supposed to leave our mother and father. Hold on to our spouse. What does it mean to leave your mother and father? Well, physically, that's a good thing to do. We had a son get married a few months back, and he left the house. And I am thankful because we were tired of him being in there, honestly. I mean, we were. His stuff was everywhere. He's got a great job with sales of outdoor equipment, but they kept sending it to the house. And so my house is full of gun safes and stuff is everywhere. I'm like, get out of here. Put that on this new woman that you're married. Uh, you know, it's, it's her stuff now. Um, he needed to leave, right? We need him to leave. We're supposed to leave, but not just physically leave. See, a lot of us aren't individually healthy because we haven't emotionally and mentally left. The baggage from our parents or for the situation we grew up in is still being drug along with us into any new relationship we get in. If you want to sow into your individual health, you need to address those issues. What are those issues that I bring into my relationship that I'm hurting the people around me with? What are those blind spots in my life and I can't find those by myself. I may need to find a counselor or a mentor or a prayer warrior, somebody that I feel safe with, that I can talk about 
what's going on that I sabotage relationships or I don't build the kind of healthy walls that lead to a safe family? What could I do differently? Individual health may be the thing God's saying you need to focus on this week in order to have better families. The third area that I think he wants us to focus on around family is marriage. We did that with the Holy Heart of Marriage Weekend. If, if his word and his love and his wisdom are the foundation and our individual health and relationship with him are the walls, the roof of the house is a marriage. Can marriages make it? I mean, can families make it without a healthy marriage? Sure. So can houses. But you get wet a lot of the time. And you're exposed to the elements. Kids were designed to grow up in an intact home where mom and a dad Love them. We need to do a really good job, you guys, of celebrating marriage. There's a lot of young folks in here who I know have parents, right? If your parents are still together, you need to go all out and celebrate them when the anniversary rolls around. Because it's hard. Marriage is hard. Birthdays, we celebrate those. Those are great. You know what it takes to have another birthday? Just keep breathing for about 365 days and you'll get another one. You know what it takes to have another wedding, a marriage anniversary? Man, you got to forgive, you got to sacrifice, you got to care, you got to stay committed, you got to show empathy and compassion. There's so many things that you have to do. So they should be honored, they should be valued. That should be marriage, should be something that we're like, wow, that is a big deal. And our marriages inside the church, built on God's word, need to look different than marriages out there in the world. We need to show them how appealing and how awesome it is to be married. It's hard. Get me wrong, I know it's hard. But it's possible to have a thriving marriage. But that may be where God needs you to spend your prayer time and a little bit more investment of your energy this week is in. What would it look like for our marriage to be a healthy place to create a roof over our family? Maybe you weren't able to make that wholehearted marriage weekend. That's okay. I think they're going to provide the videos and you're going to have a chance to learn together with your spouse. Keep investing in your marriage. So into it by listening. Learn, learn to be a good listener. Listen to understand, not just to hear, but to understand. Show empathy, care, and compassion in your marriage. Quick to forgive. Those things are all so important. All right, so we got the foundation of the home. If you want to do family well, you need to base it on God's word. The walls are our individual health. Are we connected to the Lord and growing? Are we filling ourselves spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically, the, the roof of the house is our marriage. Are we honoring our marriage? Are we paying attention to it? Are we prioritizing our marriage above other things in the world and in our life? And then the, third, the fourth element of family is, is kids. It, that's, to me, the furnishings inside the house. It's what brings it life and energy. And I know in a group this size, man, there's some of you that would love to have kids and you're not able to, and I am sorry. My heart goes out to you. Um, there are some of you that aren't to that stage of life yet, but there are some of you that do have kids and some of you that have that in your plan for your future. Kids, you guys are a blessing. The, the Psalm 127, we started in it with the first couple of verses. If you jump down a little further, it says this, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. I, I've read that verse many, many times, just got to read it because there's a confidence monitor back there. And I guess the word for the first time just jumped out to me that, that warrior, it says warrior in there. You know what it takes to be a warrior parent? Build on the foundation, connect with the Lord and have a great marriage. Then you're a warrior parent. And what does it say? What do you do with there? Anybody ever shot a bow? 
been an arrow before? You guys done that? It's awesome. It's a great feeling, right? Especially if you can get somewhere close to where you're aiming. Um, they're really amazing. The technology is great in bows and arrows now. It's come a long way from the time when the Native Americans were, were firing those. Um, but the arrows, are they're beautiful. Man, they're made of different kinds of materials, graphite. They're really light. The points are sharp, and they do different things. And then the, at the back, the, the feathers and the things that keep them going in the right direction, they're beautiful. And you're tempted. They're so pretty, and they cost so much these days. You're tempted just to put that up on a wall and look at it. And honestly, that's what we do with our kids a lot of times, if we're honest. We want to just make them as beautiful as possible and put them up there for everybody to look at. God said, that's not what you're supposed to do with children. You're supposed to be raising kids that you launch off into the world. We blew this early, Christina and I did, with our kids, man. I don't think it was our intent, but if somebody had said, what's your parenting vision? We would have said something like, we want them to know Jesus. And, and, it, and they would say, well, let's, how's that playing out? And the reality is, I think it looked more like we were trying to raise popular athletic kids that people really thought highly of. Like, I think that, I mean, that, that wasn't our goal, but that's, the, our actions were pointing to that. We changed that. We, we have kids that are really spread out. So the first two, we tested stuff out on them and blew it a lot. We got younger ones now, and they're getting a whole different experience. Um, but the, our younger ones, man, here's our parenting goal for our younger ones. We want to raise 25-year-olds who are relationally competent, who love Jesus and are making a difference in the world. That changes your parenting. I don't really care what happens at the middle school dance. I don't really care if they get made fun of because they don't have social media and somebody else does because I'm not trying to raise a popular eighth grader. I'm trying to raise a 25-year-old who moves out of my house and takes their stuff and is relationally competent and loves the Lord and serves him with their gifts and their talents. That's what we're shooting for. As parents, what are you shooting for? Is, is God saying, hey, the element of family you might need to think a little bit about is parenting? your children. How are you raising? There's so many ways to sow seeds that grow your parenting and your abilities there. So you need to, you know, balance grace and truth in your parenting. That's a big deal. Have a vision that's beyond, you know, where they are in the moment. Lots of great things. Grow yourself in your last element to consider as we're thinking about family. And, uh, you know, if, the, if there's the foundation, we talked about the walls, we talked about the roof, the furnishings inside, we're moving to the garage apartment that you had to remodel. All right, that's the last element of family that we're going to talk about. Aging parents should be honored and cared for. The Bible talks about that a lot. It says, leave your mother and father, but then it also says to honor them. That's a commandment. There's a promise with that so that you might live long, you know. So honoring your parents is a big deal. What does that look like to honor aging parents? Some of you may be at that stage of life where you have parents that are getting older and they need to be cared for. What does that entail? What does it take? There's a verse in Timothy, I read it the other day, and it just really kind of hit me. It says that how it's, it's in the context of, of widows and taking care of widows. And the verse, I think, did they pop it up there for me? So I can see that verse on in Timothy about, um, well, I'll give you a summary of it. it. It basically says that, hey, our willingness to take care of the people around us in our family and the aging, if we do that well, that's great. If we don't, it's like being worse than an unbeliever. That's a big deal. Worse than an unbeliever? Yeah, because if we know God and we know his love and we're not honoring our aging parents, we're blowing it in that respect. It's interesting to me, Jesus 
I, I can't imagine what he was experiencing on the cross. The agony, the suffering, the weight of the world, the weight of our sin, future, all that was going on in that moment. You know what one of the things he paused to do was? He looked down and he told one of his disciples, he said, hey, I need you to take care of my mom. In the midst of everything else that was going on, he felt like he needed to pause and say that. How honoring was that? My life gets pretty crazy sometimes. And when my dad calls to tell me for the third time that, you know, the cow didn't sell for what he thought it was or what the rain update is in West Texas, I got to tell you, I don't have a great attitude all the time. But man, worth taking that call. Aging parents need to be honored. We need to spend time with them. We need to listen to them. Important. It just shows this, the, the legacy of family goes up and down. How are we taking care of the generations? It's important. God sees it and God cares about it. I'm going to put all five of those up, have them put all five of those up on the screen that I just discussed. Because again, I want to end where I began. I want you to think about, we just did a survey of family and God says a lot about family in the Bible. We can look different. We can be oaks of righteousness that stand out and reflect the Lord if we do family well in this crazy culture. Which of those five areas is God calling you to spend a little more time on this week, invest in by reading or listening to podcasts or by praying about that area, going to talk to somebody who maybe could help you in the area you're not as strong in? And you may be single, you may not be married, you may not have much family around. That's still important. You can work on your individual health. And here's the great news. You're a part of a church family. This church family, all these same things apply. How do we love each other, honor each other, and encourage each other? Nurture these relationships. It's a crazy world out there. We need to do this well so that we are a refuge in the storm of whatever the Lord needs to protect us from and whatever the enemy throws. Where can you engage and invest in family a little more? Ephesians uh, 4, 2 will be the last verse. I have them pop up there. It says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Big deal, right? I heard y'all were going through Philippians and y'all talked about humility. Uh, maybe last week if you were here, be humble and gentle. Patient with each other, forgiving None of us, you guys, came from a perfect family. Jesus' family wasn't perfect, so I'm confident there's no such thing. No such thing as a perfect family. So we've got to be forgiving and kind, humble and patient as we try to grow and get better in these areas. Um, I told you about my son getting married a few months back. And, uh, you know, there's a photographer, and they do all these photos. And, and my favorite photos... Um, man, are not of uh, my son, who's handsome, and, and his wife, who's beautiful, and all that great stuff. Um, my favorite photos are of my dad and my mother-in-law. Um, separate photos. They're up there on the screen. Um, so my dad, when I was nine years old, my mom died of cancer. And it was sudden, uh, bone, bone in her leg developed cancer, spread, and within eight months, she was gone. It was my dad and me. And I had a younger sister. It was the three of us. My dad was an old cowboy, uh, construction worker, went to college on a rodeo scholarship. I don't even know if y'all know that is a thing. Um, so imagine John Wayne. That's my dad. He hadn't taken any psychology classes. And uh, my mom died. And I was scared as a nine-year-old boy. And many nights I would wake up in the middle of the night just terrified that he would be gone as well. 
and then I would be alone. And uh, in those nights, I would head downstairs, and I would climb into his bed. And I'm sure everything in that old cowboy said, "This is I'm, I'm growing a kid that's not going to be very tough. I'm going to let him climb up. But my dad didn't, I, he might have thought that, but he didn't act, he just wrapped me in his arms every time. And uh, he loved me, cared for me, he held me. Did that night, up many, many nights. One night I went down to climb in there, and he wasn't there. And my worst fear had come true. My dad was gone. Now we were all alone. We were abandoned. And I looked all over the house. Couldn't find him. I searched in the yard. I saw his truck was still out there. I didn't know what had happened. I looked in the backyard. Couldn't find him. Last place to look, I went through the bathroom and into this back closet. And as I looked in there, there was a light on. It was still early. It was like 3 maybe 4 o'clock in the morning. It was some crazy weird time. And I opened the door, and my dad was in there on his knees, and I closed the door back. And I just sat there. I was scared, but I, at least I knew he was okay. So I just waited. I had no idea what he was doing. Came out. I said, Dad, what are you doing in there? And he said, Son, I have no idea how we're going to make it without your mom. I don't know that we will on our own, but I am confident that the Lord is our only hope. And I come in this closet when he wakes me up to pray for us. Um, my dad chose to build our home in the midst of chaos and crisis on the foundation of Christ. Let him be his rock. In that photo, if it's up there, if they pop it up there, I want you just to look at it for a second because that's my dad. I told you it was one of my favorite photos. That's my dad looking over at his great-granddaughter. That's legacy. Choose to build your family on the rock of Jesus. Stay as healthy as you can connected to him. Have a marriage that honors each other. Allow the kids in your home to grow up pursuing the Lord. You get a legacy like that. The other picture was my mother-in-law and her grandsons. Guys, family's everything. Jesus in our lives, the most significant, how we do families. Thank you, Jesus, for the chance just to visit with the folks here. I pray blessings over them and their lives, wherever they are in their individuality, their singleness, their, their married, their growing up their widow, wherever they are, Lord, that they would get, them, get something from you out of this message. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.